Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from CXC Corporate Services, part of CXC Global. They are the leading global advisor on contingent workforce solutions, helping companies reduce cost, mitigate risk and improve multi-country compliance across their contingent workforces and supply chains. To find out more about how CXC Corporate Services can help you, please visit www.cxccorporateservices.com. That's www.cxccorporateservices.com. CXC, facilitating the future of work. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 53 of the Recruiting Future podcast. People analytics is the hot topic in HR at the moment. Technology is fueling a data revolution that is starting to make companies radically rethink their approaches to attracting, retaining and developing talent. Technology is revolutionising the kind of qualitative research that underpins employer brand and employee engagement strategies, with the ability to generate instant insights that would have previously taken months of work to get. My guest this week is Andrew Marrett of People Analytics Specialist Organisation View. Andrew is a pioneer in the field of text analytics for HR and has some fascinating insights into the potential for data in the talent space. Hi, Andrew, and welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, I understand it's a very snowy Monday morning where you are. Yes, it's the weather's um, taken a turn. Like a week ago, it was t-shirt and shorts weather and now it's snow the joys of being in switzerland in spring absolutely could you tell us a bit about uh yourself your background and what you do certainly so um i'm andrew Marit. i'm the founder of a sort of prominent european people analytics firm called organization view um i founded organization view six and a half years ago after first a, a career in the management consulting sector and then mostly uh, noughties working uh, in big global HR departments uh, running technology and data-driven um, projects. Um, the, the emphasis for starting uh, organization view is really a 
a frustration um, of seeing how data and, and analysis was being managed in HR. At the time, I was sitting on the um, HR management team of uh, a large international, and every month we would have people coming in presenting data to us and every month I'd get more and more frustrated about um, the responsiveness and also to some degree the quality of, uh, of that analysis. So in 2009-2010 uh, I decided to, to form uh, a business to, with really nothing grander than you know, sort out data for HR and that's where, that's where I'm at the moment. We do three different things. Um, we um, are a business which has a sort of a consultancy approach, working with large international clients, helping provide additional capacity and capability to their analytics functions. Our, our clients tend to be already quite advanced in analytics, and we're able to bring them um, probably more advanced skills um, than, than they have in-house. Secondly, I do quite a lot of work teaching analytics. Um, and finally, we have a, a product called Workometry, which is around the employee feedback market. Um, and that uses a lot of the advanced uh, algorithms that we've developed with clients, but packages it up into a product which is uh, available for, for anyone, depending, uh, regardless of how mature they are within their analytics capability. So that, that's us. Um, we're doing very well, as I suspect everybody is in the analytics space at the moment. So it, it's particularly the, the the kind of advanced text analytics that I was interested in talking about. You yep. um, you get you, you know we we've met many times uh, normally at a conference somewhere in the somewhere in the world where we don't live, um, and uh, you you kind of showed me the. Um, the, the the text analytics and I and I thought it was amazing and I thought the the applications of it in the HR space were um, you know were quite considerable. Could you just talk everyone through what it is you you've developed and what it does and why it's different? Yeah, let me take a step back and and let's preface it around um, the sort of conversation about big data, which is is probably a phrase which is less used these days than it was one two years ago. Um, there were always there were always multiple characteristics to to big data and and the name um, really drew attention to the to the size aspect and the size is it, it's it's relatively important but of the three or four challenges that Gartner um, initially identified I think it's certainly for an HR perspective it's the least important um, one of the big problems that the big data was trying to the sort of phrase around big data was trying to cover was the fact that the data has um, a lot of different types it is it, it, I think there's a phrase about veracity so it's um, the it's not if we look at data and look at the growth of data actually a lot of that data is non-numerical data it's data in in vast amounts of text it's vast amounts of images it's vast amounts of of video and it's the difficulty of dealing with this data which is not in a, a traditional database structure which has always been the hard part for, for HR and I think overlooked if we think about HR um, there's a large amount of 
text data that sits within within HR systems and also that we want to have a look at um, in the broader scheme. So, you know, open open comments within um, survey questions. We're even doing some work at the moment on, on email content. Um, the approach of text analytics is really to use a variety of techniques to try and provide structure into that um, into that text. There, there are two different things that you might want to do with a piece of text. Firstly, you might want to categorize it to some degree, um, explaining what, what the person is talking about or the writer is talking about. Um, and secondly, you might want to score it against um, some score, regard, whether it's an emotion or whether it's uh, something simple, more simple like sentiment. Um, so the categorization is, is what we focus on most. <clears throat> um, it is, you can think about it as like the, the um, algorithms trying to automatically tag some content um, to identify, to help the navigation and help that sort of a, a approach of understanding that. And once you've got structured data in that sense, uh, the tags, the entities, the topics, you can then do a whole variety of statistical analysis with it and um, be able to de deal with that text at scale. So um, I think it's a really interesting approach. And I think what really brings it alive is the, the applications that it can be used for. So could you talk us through some of the, you know, some, some of the ways that you're using this or you see this being used in, in HR, in employer brand, in, in recruitment, et cetera? Sure. So there's, there's three things that we've done um, over the last couple of months um, and before that I think are, are, are good examples. The first of which is to look at text within um, existing HR systems. And one of the areas which I've been conscious ha held a lot of value um, for a long time was performance management comments. So if we look at 360 uh, appraisals, um, we've traditionally done analysis of potentially what rating people have been given, depending on the organization, you might be able to do that down to competency level. And that's generally a sort of a one to five score. Um, however, that score, um, either at a, at a overall level or even down to, to competencies, um, is is backed with a lot of text, with a, a lot of open text. And um, we've done some, some really interesting analysis recently looking at 360 comments and looking at how people describe themselves and how their managers describe them. Um, we've also done that in terms of gender. So looking at gender-specific languages, uh, language use, you know, do men uh, exhibit some form of bias when they're talking about, um, or managers inform bias when they're talking about their employees in terms of gender bias? Do women and men talk about themselves differently when, when they're giving their self-ratings? Um, and we found some really interesting um, analysis of that. Um, we took a, a data set which I think in originally had around 30,000 rows of data, so 30,000 individual comments, um, and you break this out into, first of all, looking at the topics and the, the types of the way those topics are being used and then, and then um, doing analysis there. So it quickly does become quite a large data problem. I mean, we were having 
a, a flat file from those 30,000 comments, which was close to a gigabyte in size. Um, so way past the ability to analyze it in, in Excel. Um, and um, we're able to pull out some, some really um, important information for the, uh, for the client in terms of, um, uh, as I say, but how men and women describe themselves during the performance process and also how their managers describe them. One of the things that we talk about um, or that we've spoken about uh, a lot on this podcast with other guests is employer branding and um, how people can get um, stories from their employees or attitudes from their employees or understand how their employees feel about the the brand of the company or what it's like to work at the company, um, uh, how they can do that at scale. Um, is this something that, that your tool um, your tool could address? One of the things that I used to do when I was looking after employee brand and um, my one of my roles in the noughties was uh, in charge of employee um, global employee marketing at UBS, the the the, the Swiss bank. Um, we wanted to try and understand that that employ those employee messages so that. The, they were appealing to candidates, but also they had a strong um, match with reality. And that reality differs depending on who you are in the organization. So uh, what it means to work for an organization if you're sitting in technology is very different than if you're in the sales force or in, or in the banking terms in front office. Um, we had conducted quite a lot of research uh, at UBS using traditional qualitative approaches to try and understand what that messaging was was about. And this is perceived um, employee brand messages from from the employees. Um, you can also do it uh, to some degree as well with with external markets, but the the approach is remarkably similar. And, it, and historically, it's been about doing qualitative sessions, interviews focus groups, that type of activity. Um, one of the things that you know, is, is common across any of that qualitative interview is that it's expensive. It's um, very time-consuming, not only to conduct the interviews, but then to do the coding. What we've done with our approach, and this is the Workometry tool uses this quite a lot within its applications into employee value propositions, is to ask employees at scale and, and to a lesser degree um, ask external uh, people, whether they're through the recruitment process or, or even further outside, um, their views on working on the organization. So, you know, what they, our approach for internal employees is, is really threefold, three questions. You know, first of all, a net promoter score question saying, uh, would you recommend um, your company as a place to work for, for friends or acquaintances? You then ask two open text questions. One, if somebody, if a friend or acquaintance did come to you looking for your views on working for this organization, what would you say the positive things would be? And a second question about what would you caution them about? Um, within that text, we get... Um, uh, generally several sentences worth of content. Um, we're picking up 
topics automatically, multiple topics from there. Um, and looking to do this potentially even across the whole organization. So looking at, um, you know, identifying, let's say three or four different topics per statement and from five, 10,000 different people. Um, from there and combining that information, those, that, those tags um, with information about who the employee is, you know, their, their, their gender, where they're working in the organization, how long they've been working in the organization, um, a host of other bits of information. We can then start building quite strong segmentation models to say this groups of these are the key messages that are that are resonating with employees of, of a certain type, a certain group. So you can identify using this approach what are the messages that you would um, you would use to position working in the technology function and what the messages that would be useful in in front office in the front office business. Um, we can do the coding with the algorithms that built into workometry almost in real time. So certainly on those type of questions where we've got quite a lot of experience and, and you know tens, potentially hundreds of thousands of rows of data at the moment, um, we're finding that for the vast majority of it, we can we can code this in real time. Um, our approach is to to do further tuning at the at the question level for each employer because there may just be something that appeals to working in one organization that, that we haven't seen within the data before. And the approach we're using learns the topics from the data itself rather than having a predefined um, predefined model. Obviously, you know, we use previous experience to continually refine, but, but um, it's quite clear that reasons for wanting to work or, or, you know, things that put off employees about some organizations differ depending on the organizations and having a, an organization-specific model works. So we're able to do what would have taken several months in a qualitative study and narrow it down to several days um, and, and to do it at much greater scale than you could ever do in a qualitative study. And from what you're seeing so far, what's the most surprising insight um, that you've got from, um, you know, analyzing this kind of data in this kind of way? I think one of the things is a, a difference between groups of employees which are potentially far away from um, from HR teams and from managers within organizations and their views compared to what the managers think. Um, let's take an example of retail. Retail is, is, an, is um, an industry where certainly now in the UK with the, with the recent rises of, um, of minimum wage, it, it's pretty close that everybody in retail at the shop floor will be paid pretty close to minimum wage and and managers will feel that that salary and pay is is a negative factor um, for people in that organization in those type of organizations what we find though is that pay and those uh, and those sort of functional parts of the the salary package um, or even employment offer tend to be much more um, you know 
th those working in head office and potentially in higher paid jobs are more likely to find issues around that. And that people on the shop floor, albeit they're the lowest paid within the organization, they often think that that's the pay is, is one of the good things about working for the organization. And I think this is po possibly because um, the alternatives all pay around the same and therefore you can't differentiate on pay so much. Um, it, it, it's interesting though, you can potentially differentiate on, on non-pay items such as, uh, you know, the ability to change your own hours, the, uh, the sort of the quality of the staff discount scheme, those type of things make a lot of difference, but it's, it's often getting qualitative evidence to, to, to change some of these biases that especially managers and head office think about the organization and um, the people who, who work for them. Um, yeah, I think that's, that, that's one of the most interesting things. Yeah, that that that's really interesting. Actually, I think it just 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 shows the kind of thing that um, you know this this type of data can um, shed shed light on. Um, last question, um, and this is really a question about where you think this is going to go in the future. Um, it's interesting that in the last couple of weeks, um, uh, you know, Facebook have come out and shared their their 10-year vision about where they're going. And a big um, a big part of what they were doing is artificial intelligence. And the first iteration of that is text-based um, spots in, um, in in Messenger, which they've they kind of launched um, last week. And um, you know, the, the feedback so far isn't 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 great. But um, you know, I think that's a an interesting um, sort of you know development area for kind of smart text interfaces. What's your vision of the um, of, of the future for this type of technology? I think it's inevitable that text becomes a large part of analysis um, of the sort of advanced levels of analysis, and I think that. HR will start to bring in tools that are able to, to process large volumes of text quite quickly. There's some really interesting examples outside the employee value proposition and um, employee feedback space that we've been doing. So we've been doing a piece of work with one big organization where the CEO asked, him, asked his employees to communicate with him directly um, about their, their fears, concerns, and, you know, and feedback for, for the executive team. And of course, got a large volume of, of uh, emails um, needing to be able to, to deal with that and understand them at scale. So yes, they're reading and dealing with each individually, but to be able to provide some form of identification of patterns, for example, we've been doing some work um, looking at those emails and trying to effectively pattern spot who, which parts of the organization are people are more likely to be talking about certain topics, what, down, what are the breakdown of topics, um, how does it link to, to other information. I think we'll also start listening to um, parts of data that we probably haven't traditionally thought of within HR systems, so um, internal discussion groups or, or Yammer or whether it's it's on um, SharePoint, those type of things. I think we're already in conversation with several clients who want to to do live, um, effectively live dashboards on the topics within there and um, to use that information as sort of a holistic one to be able to understand patterns. I have to say in, in no instance are we doing things that would say, 
Jim is increasingly talking about X, we're, we're looking at aggregate levels and saying, you know, has there been, uh, you know, I think it's more like a Twitter, you know, what are the trending, what are the trending topics here? Um, and, you know, have we seen splits? And I think that type of uh, system could be used quite quickly to provide early warnings to, to senior management of what's going on in the organization. You know, if you find that your Latin American business starts talking about a certain type of client, um, and that's that's new. Then you might want to to, um, to look at um, you know, increasing the attention into that area. We've been doing some work on shared services um, to understand the types of calls and communications that are coming through, so that we can then predict who's most likely to um, to be calling uh, the, the helpline or to be emailing the helpline. So, for example, if you see that three months in um, to an organization, people start um, asking about filling expense forms in, then maybe you want to push out some training at two months to talk about expense forms. And that would, you know, you'd, you'd look at the ROI there by um, the reduction on, um, calls to the help desk. If you if you think of a help desk as a sort of a last last case where people can't find the information themselves, then spotting um, where you want to be proactive is potentially um, reducing the need for those people to 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 contact you. So I, I see some of that aspects um, coming through quite quickly. We're also we've got one client where uh, we're putting in place some. In feedback, um, there's, there's rules depending on where you are that if an employee mentions a certain topic within any type of feedback, you need to be able to respond to it. And um, we can put triggers that say spot for people mentioning bullying in, an, um, in terms of, in an employee survey. And, you know, let's define the process there to, to act on this quickly. Um, so, you know, you can think about using text as well as, as diverting uh, attention to where it's most needed and, and doing it quickly. Um, so I think we'll, start, we'll, we'll see that um, coming through quick, um, importantly. One of the things we've done within Workometry is realize that because we can, can deal with text so well, we don't need to ask as many um, traditional survey questions. So I, I mentioned before a three-question survey, which would, which would really capture employee value proposition in a detailed manner. Um, this has a, Being able to deal with text in this way means that you can rethink the user interface and, the, and therefore the user experience. You know, we could potentially think of... Um, uh, application forms, and especially, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time working in the in the graduate market, where um, historically students have pages of, of application forms to complete, and, and thinking, you know, how can we use text and understanding text to radically reshape that um, user interface and the user experience um, for. To, to, to increase the, the the user experience and potentially like um, like the sort of testing where depending on how you answer one question um, you get asked 
further questions. I think we we potentially could start to think about um, application forms where this the application system is constantly reviewing the information you've got, whether it's open text um, and asking follow up questions. So you know, I could see the I could see an instance where you link to a CV or or, um, or enter a CV and the 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 technology reviews that CV and asks you relevant follow-up questions um, based to, cl- to act on clarification, and and that could therefore go th- several steps of the the selection process. You know, there's some, some really great firms um, doing doing work, and there, you know, Text Kernel is doing some really really great work on semantic understanding of text from the from the job piece, and it's not an area. We, we specialize in, but um, I, I think we'll start to see this where um, the ability to understand text in real time um, dramatically shifts the way that we ask questions. I mean, we don't need to ask questions in, the, in, the, in a way that it was traditionally database friendly. Andrew, thank you very much for talking to me. It's a pleasure, Matt. Good speaking to you as always. My thanks to Andrew Barrett. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Just search for Recruiting Future. You can find all the past episodes of the show at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Chiffre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.